Ticket stubs and cassette tapes. I'm Andy and I'm your host. Uh, just a reminder we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, just search ticket stubs and cassette tapes. You, you'll you see our logo there. You can give us a, a like, follow, subscribe, whatever. Um, we'd really appreciate it. Um, today, <clears throat> we're going to do a Halloween 2018 watch along. So I just did a watch along for the original Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. Um, you know, it's just sort of a different format I'm trying out. Um, I'm also still going to do reviews, but, um, you know, I, I like to do these little watch alongs, commentaries, if you will, that you can watch along with the movie if you'd like, or if you don't, uh, you can just listen to the watch along um even though there might be some parts where i'm not talking as much because i'm sort of allowing the movie to play out um but i really enjoy doing this i think it's a fun way to point out some specific things um you know i'm really excited to do this when it's the uh the i now guess now the direct canon sequel to the original 1978 halloween so it should be pretty fun Another reminder is that I've mentioned I'm going to have a Top Gun Maverick and Top Gun review coming out pretty soon, so be looking out for those. I think that um, I think that I'll have those up pretty soon. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun as well. Um, you know, sharing that with you guys. Um, so yeah, basically how this works with uh, for the watch along here is that I'm going to have the movie pulled up. I'm going to hit play and I'll tell you when I'm going to hit play and that way you can sort of sync your movie up uh with mine and watch along with me um I'm I'm starting the movie at zero 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 so you can just sort of start yours at the very beginning like that too and we can hit play at the same time um so it should be a lot of fun I hope you guys who listened to the uh the watch along for the original Halloween enjoyed it you know there wasn't as much to say during that one because you know, what can you really say? It's a classic, um, you know, there's, at least to me, it's really one of those movies that even its flaws sort of gets overlooked because of how classic and iconic of a movie it is. Um, you know, the characters, the writing, uh, the music, I mean, everything in that movie to me is just perfect, um, in terms of what it is. So, um, you know, hopefully in this one, there'll be a little bit more to talk about. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right. 
So let's get the movie pulled up here. All right, we're going to start at, like I said, 0, 0.00. And I'm going to hit play in 3, 2, 1. All right. So now we are just seeing the Universal logo start to form here. And we're starting to hear the, the swell of... Uh, once again, John Carpenter's score. He comes back to do the the score for these later sequels, and that was such a good decision by the by Blumhouse. Um, you know, John Carpenter, like I said, just with his scores alone, can really change a movie. I really love the whole the vibe that this score just sets just from the beginning of the movie. I remember seeing this in theaters and I just, I was already on the edge of my seat just from the opening credits and the, the score. And of course you get the, the, the credits here, the opening credits and the same font as the original movie. It's a great choice. It's really cool. Really cool. Just a good throwback. And we're uh, we're obviously starting the movie off here in uh, what I believe is Smith Smith Grove Sanitarium. I believe that's where this is. It's a good it's a good setting for the beginning of this movie. I, I really enjoy the scenery here inside of the sanitarium. It's a pretty cool vibe to start the movie. Rehabilitation facility. Sorry. So this is, I think this is a really good opening sequence here with just explaining where we are. Dr. Sartain. I'm going to have some thoughts about him later on in the, the movie. But I like the character. I like that he's sort of playing this Loomis type, sort of Loomis type character, not as much, but you know, he, he is the doctor for Michael. Now Lori's is a little bit more of the Loomis character in this movie.
good shot of Michael here. I really do like this this opening scene with that checkerboard pattern floor. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool the way they they frame that. I always thought it was very interesting, the line he says, he can speak, he just chooses not to. I was wondering, I, I, I guess that's just an assumption on his part. I'm assuming Michael's never talked to him. I would assume so, so. And this whole opening sequence is well done, with just, again, the score... The, the tension that this sealed, this scene builds, excuse me. Um, I like this shot looking over Michael's shoulder here. You can't see his face. Yeah, this is just really good tension, the way that this scene builds. In theaters, this was awesome. It's still awesome, but especially for the first time in theaters. Now, I always did wonder, how did he get his hands on this mask? I mean, because you, you would feel like that mask would be... I don't want to say in a museum or anything like that, but you, you would think that mask would be locked away somewhere pretty tight and this guy's just carrying it out willy-nilly i don't love seeing this much of michael's face there that's one choice i i wouldn't have went with you know i i almost feel like they're just showing us that to show us his eye his messed up eye that Lori put a coat hanger through back in 78 The 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 other uh, patients here starting to go a little bit crazy in the dog barking. That's pretty cool. I mean, it it really does set a mood. And I love that Michael's doing nothing, but the the tension is still building. You know, with this uh, podcaster's dialogue and the the people going crazy around them, it's a, it's a really good way to build the tension. Yeah, leading in the opening title here. That's great. And the old score, the pumpkin inflating. That's awesome. This is a great, great opening title sequence. And there really is nothing like that Halloween score. Man, it just really makes me think of October, fall time.
Yeah, love this opening sequence. I'm I'm assuming they just shot the uh, the the pumpkin in reverse. I don't know. I'm not really sure how they pull off that effect, but it's cool. It's effective. It's a great way to lead us back in, you know, because if you're, if you're talking about, you, you have to think all those other sequels made after Halloween don't exist in this universe. So you, you're literally taking us to a direct sequel, a direct timeline to that original movie and only that original movie. So this is, this is a really good way to sort of get us back into it. This is a good choice by David Gordon Green course we're back in Haddonfield I love the setting I, f- I first thought that when I watched this movie in theaters the setting here the again just like with the first movie the fall it's October I love the the look here you know the the trees no leaves on them I know I'm stating obvious things but again it plays a big part into this this franchise you know it really does. You may not think about it, but it does. Now, I know one thing that a lot of people have said about this movie is why would Laurie stay in Haddonfield? I think it's almost sort of like you feel like, or she feels like that's her way to sort of win is the fact that she didn't give up and move away and change her name. You know, it's almost like her coming to terms with the reality of the situation and facing it in the only way she knows, which is just staying in her hometown, not changing her name, and then doing things like this, you know, living behind a fence, fenced-in house, and having all the stuff set up on the house like she does, the guns. I mean, it it really is like she just knew Michael was going to come back someday, so rather than run from it, she decided to face it head on and i'm okay with that choice i am i I do prefer it over the halloween h2o you know some people may think differently but i kind of do prefer this this timeline over that one for sure Of course, Jamie Lee Curtis back as Lori Strode. Does a good job. Shows a really good job.
I don't really understand and have never really understood why this guy sort of antagonizes Lori. I don't I don't know and understand the approach. I understand this guy's just trying to get a scoop. You know, he's a podcaster. They're essentially journalists and I mean that's just what they do. But I do love the addition of Lori being a little bit more of the Loomis. She's not like this right here. She doesn't want to hear hear about any of this BS about why Michael did it or anything like that. She knows that he's just evil incarnate. There's no rhyme nor reason to it. You know, like right here, you know, jumping to the state taking her daughter away. I, again, I just don't, I'm not fully understanding why they would bring this stuff up. It doesn't seem 100% relevant to the story. I mean, I guess it kind of is, but I mean, it, they haven't been in the living room 30 seconds and they're just trying all they can to antagonize her. Because at the end of the day, this is just a story for them, but this is her life. So I, I, I never really understood why they would do that. I'm not saying it's bad writing or anything like that. I'm just I'm saying if I were a podcaster or a quote-unquote investigative journalist, it seems like an odd strategy to take when interviewing somebody. Especially a pretty traumatized lady who's minding her own business. All right, so now we're we've moved to Lori's daughter Karen and her husband Ray, uh, their daughter Allison, Lori's granddaughter. I, you know, the 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 parents here. I like Allison, the dad. I'm not crazy about. I think the humor may be a little much. You know. course obviously we're talking about Lonnie here Lonnie from the original Halloween yeah I mean jokes like this I don't know they're a little corny it's sort of coming out of something you stuff you see in the Marvel universe you know the Marvel's sort of getting a reputation nowadays especially with like the Thor movies or the Guardians of the Galaxy with having some really what is corny humor you know a lot of people enjoy it but um i've heard in thor love and thunder which is i think it's just come out i've heard it's pretty strong in that one so and for those of you who don't know danny mcbride was a 
a writer on this movie, so some of that humor's obviously going to come from him. And we're sort of, right now we're sort of showing the the sort of relationship between Karen and, and Lori. I think it's a, a pretty strained relationship, uh, you know. Again, I mean, you know, I'm going to point it out. I love the, the, the setting here, the fall setting. This is a almost a throwback to the original movie when Lori and her friends are walking down the sidewalk. Do a pretty good job. I know this is filmed in a different place. I want to say this is either Georgia or South Carolina. They filmed one of these in Georgia and one one in South Carolina, Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. I don't know which one this is, but it looks really good. Fits the setting very well. Wasn't it her brother? Yeah, this was obviously thrown in to sort of let people know, hey, this is not the same timeline as all the other sequels. This is, we've retconned everything. And now we have uh, Cameron, the boyfriend of Allison. Um, you know, this character is give or take for me, honestly. this character as well i forget his name oscar i think i mean it, it was pretty obvious i think to me early on in this movie that this guy was included just to be killed you know he sort of felt like one of those characters and sure enough spoiler alert Now we, we're sort of getting a mirror of the, the scene from the original Halloween where Lori looks out her classroom window and sees Michael. Uh, interesting fact, the the voice here that you're hearing in the teacher is PJ Souls, who played Linda in the original movie, the blind friend of Lori's who uh, gets killed by Michael. So it's kind of a cool, cool little tidbit there. PJ Souls also from the movie uh, Stripes. Plays uh, Bill Murray's uh, girlfriend in that one.
And I can sort of understand this conversation, you know. It's a girl who's wanting to her grandmother to be a part of her life, and, you know, her grandmother's just sort of a, you know, just sort of a, a, a different kind of grandmother, somebody who's essentially preparing for the return of a boogeyman that this girl doesn't really even know anything about. She, you know, she's just heard through stories. She'll learn, but she doesn't know yet. Cool little snippet here, getting to hear uh, Loomis's voice or whoever is doing a voiceover for Loomis. This is cool. Just showing us this stuff, showing us them preparing the the patients or prisoners whatever for movement I like that you know that it needs to die I, do, I like that that's a good carryover from the first movie I guess the intention here was that Lori was going to wait for the bus and somehow take a an assassination attempt at Michael. I'm not really sure. Yeah, this 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 whole scene is a little weird with like the silhouette of the man walking towards Lori. I'm not really sure what they're what uh, the way they they were setting that up. I'm not sure what they were going for, but it's a little it's a little odd.
I like this uh, this upcoming sequence here when Lori shows up. You get a little glimpse of Lori acting normal for just a few seconds at least. Again, I don't know the relationship before this movie fully, you know, and I'm talking about specifically, I don't know how often they talk and stuff, but they seem to be a little aggressive. I love the inclusion of Lori's theme here. This is just showing the effect that this still has on her to this day. And it has to be a lot. It has to be a lot to see the guy who tried to kill you and killed your best friends, even as far back as when you were a teenager. I mean, it's first time seeing him. I mean, that's got to be pretty rough. I do like this this sequence of events, though. I mean, it is it does a good job of showing Lori's, uh, you know, sort of where she, where she is mentally now at this point. And now, of course, we're getting the flashback to Karen's childhood and how you know Lori raised her to be you know, always looking over her shoulder and how to protect herself, how to fight for herself. And I guess, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that the daughter would lash out away from Lori's you know, personality just because it's, it's pretty extreme. And, you know, this girl's never seen Michael Myers again, just like with Allison to her, Michael Myers is just a story, you know, and she knows that he's real and that it really happened, but she didn't go through the experiences that Lori went through. So it's harder to understand why you're being raised the way you are. So I I don't mind the storyline there with the daughter being, sort of how she is. So this is sort of a throwback again to the original movie when 
the nurse Marion and, and Dr. Loomis pull up on the institution and the prisoners have escaped from the rooms and this is a pretty well done scene in terms of uh you know the tension that it has. A random jump scare there. I don't know about you, but I'm not getting out of that truck. If I'm the man, the dad, I'm rolling down the window. I might just, uh, you know, call out, check, see what's going on, but I ain't getting out of that truck. I live out somewhat in the country and i'm telling you driving down these dark roads at night you see something like this you're not just gonna to me i wouldn't just jump out and go investigate especially if i was this kid even if i had a gun i'm staying in the truck A little jump scare coming up here that, yeah, right there. I don't see as entirely necessary. I, I'm i just not a fan of that kind of stuff just because it gets a little annoying. Not that the movie does it too much. It's just it's sort of the modern way of making horror movies. It's just having a bunch of these. And after you watch as many horror movies as I do, you just it gets annoying seeing so, so many of the jump scares. Or adding the sound effects to them. They didn't really make that mistake in the original movie. Different times, obviously. Just Dr. Sartain gets shot there. I don't understand why he jumped up like that. I mean, sort of odd. Michael's first kill of the movie there. I really like this character. I like uh, Officer Hawkins. Um, really thought he should have just been the sheriff, to be honest. But um, Will Patton, I mean, a great actor. Remember, Remember the Titans, one of my favorite movies of all time. He does a really good job in this role. I like him a lot.
pretty gnarly aftermath here. You know, this is one of sort of one of the big differences in between the original movie and this movie is there is a little bit more gore. Well, in comparison to the first movie, there's quite a bit more gore in this movie, blood and gore. I really didn't think they would do it. Um, I didn't think they would do that when they made this movie, but it's nothing compared to kills. Don't get me wrong, but still, I really thought they would keep it in the vein of the first movie of it letting, letting it be a little bit more theater of the mind, leaving it up to your imagination. But no, they're, this movie's, uh, well, between this and Halloween kills, it's pretty brutal moments in these movies, um, that I, I wasn't sure that they would add. I always kind of wish during this part that they would visit Annie and Linda and Bob's grave, maybe. It's just a small, small thing, but we've seen Judith's headstone before, obviously, it's in the original movie. Would have been cool to see the gravestones of the other character. Obviously, you're going to get a little shot of Michael here, sort of overlooking the cemetery. And we get a sh the sheriff here. Uh, you know, the sheriff, not really anything wrong with him other than he just seems to be a very ineffective sheriff. I don't really understand, especially given the progression of Hawkins' character that we see in Halloween Kills. I'm not really sure why he's not the sheriff, to be honest. Yeah, see, like, lines like that I didn't really care for. You know, what are we going to do, cancel Halloween? It just seems a little, I don't know. Seems a little too classic horror movie trope. Somebody just being, you know, somebody just dismissing the threat totally. Of course, you get Michael in the background there walking. Never understood the shot of the woman here, and I don't know. It just just set a weird tone. This this almost feels a little bit more Texas Chainsaw Massacre-ish to me, more than Halloween.
a pretty good tense scene here with Michael and the podcaster checking the bathroom stalls. Sort of a, again, sort of a, feels like a classic, what we now know as a classic horror movie. Sort of, I don't want to say trope, but. Again, right here, you're going to get a little bit more of the, like I was talking about, a little bit more of the gore. And just guy laying on the countertop, jaw ripped off. You know, it's not really the kind of thing you saw in the original movie, but I understand it's sort of different times now. And people expect horror movies to be a little bit more. A little bit more blood, a little bit more gore. It's just sort of, you know, something that really changed throughout the 80s. You know, the gore effects really shot up in popularity. And, you know, like I said, difference in times. The teeth thing here, you know, sort of something that was portrayed in the first Halloween as Michael, sort of a trickster. He likes to play play around with with victims a little bit pretty good score here Not really understanding why this girl grabs a crowbar and then does nothing. I mean, I get it. It's one of those situations. It's hard to say what you do unless you're you're in that situation. But to just pick up the only weapon in the bathroom and continue to hide in the stall, and then and then and then when he comes after you to to not even use the weapon. Seems like a little bit of a waste, but I don't know. That's just me. If you start poking holes and stuff like that, you know, a movie could start looking like Swiss cheese. Now, this is one thing right here that I never I never did love. I didn't love that this is happening right here. The the mask getting put back on for the first time. It's happening in broad daylight, and I never really loved that. You know, like we talked about in the watch-along of the original movie, so much of what works in that original movie is setting and lighting and things like that. And to just have a moment like that in broad daylight, it felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity. I would have loved to have seen something like that happen in the dark and 
you know, because the darkness is sort of part of the character of Michael Myers, you know. He, he's not a character that operates as much in the daylight. I mean, we see him in the daylight, even in the original movie, but, you know, I don't know. It's a small thing, I guess, but I, I would have loved to have seen that done a little differently. back at Karen's house here setting you up for a little jump scare that doesn't necessarily need to happen uh, again I you know I'm not the biggest jump scare guy um, I don't really know why you need to take time out of the movie to have to build up this tension for for nothing to be honest but that's me i mean that's just a that's more of just a personal choice for me two jump scares i forgot about when ray walks through the door here yeah i like that right there i just i don't know why you need to build up tension for just that you know would have been very easy for her to just walk in to the house and Lori's sitting there on the couch or something. The only thing here is that Michael has escaped. It's on the news. He's escaped and he's close. It feels to me like the daughter would be like, okay, maybe it, this isn't going to be the end of the world or anything like that, but I we do just need to acknowledge, okay, I get it. He's He's out. Yeah, let's take some precautions. Why don't you stay here tonight or... We'll go to your house. I mean, you know, I don't really see the whole, the need behind, you know, throwing, throwing Lori out and pretending it's no big deal. So this is cool. I I really enjoy this part. The the one shot the one shot uh Michael Myers walk. This is cool. The music, the lighting here. 
This is just taking us back to the classic Halloween movie. This is really good. All done in one shot. It's very good. And by the way, I haven't mentioned it. You know, James Hugh Courtney takes on the role of Michael Myers here in this movie and in Kills and Halloween Ends coming up. He does a phenomenal job. He really does. Uh, you know, he really captures that. I don't, you know, I don't really want to say personality, but I guess that's, that is a good word for it of the character of Michael and the, the movement, the walking, the head tilts, you know, he does a really good job, really good job with it. little bit of a tension building here with the baby crying and you know what's going to happen glad they sort of passed that up because that would have been a little much personally for me great good light it's incredible lighting here I love that a little bit of that blue light filter and you just see the way the light bounces off the mask. I mean, it really brings that mask to life. And I love the randomness here. This is why it's such a good shot. The randomness of Michael. This is a good way to show you that character in a little bit more detail based off the, the original movie. I mean, this is this is just a, a a thing that is he's not calculated it's not it's just random and it's you know there is no way to measure it there's no way to to track it he's just a machine and that, that's really the best way to describe michael it's just a machine that works at random you know so I really like how this old sequence portrays that. A little bit of stalking there at first. And you're going to get a little bit more gore here coming up. I like the shot here, how it stays in the window as he walks around and you see him in the shadow. And then eventually coming through, I guess, what is a back door. But but still st staying in this frame, not moving away from it. That's, that's, that's well done. That's creative. Uh, the whole dance rave thing here. Again, it's a little bit more one of those. It feels like a little bit more of a modern horror movie thing. Although, I mean, in the 80s, they did stuff like this. But 
now we're about to get introduced to Julian, the, the little kid character here. It's not a character I care for, to be honest. It, not that he's a cute kid or anything like that, but not not that he's not a cute kid or anything like that, sorry, but it's just that extra little comedy with this character that I just don't and I'll explain it a little bit when it comes up, but I, I just don't know that you need it to be to be honest. Yeah, it's just the humor here. I just, you know, I don't really need it. It's not as bad as what you'll see here coming up when Michael is actually in the house. But you're sort of swapping tones in the movie. You go from tension and horror, you know, a little bit of the thriller element there to comedy and then back. I mean, I'm not a big fan of just flip-flopping those. I would like to just, you know, if you're going to make a horror movie with, you know, like a good slow burn horror movie, kind of like the, the classic, then, you know, I, to me personally, I would just stick with that format rather than sprinkling in a little bit more of what, the modern comedy and like I talked about with like the Marvel stuff, sprinkling stuff like that in. And some of you may not understand what I'm saying when I talk about like the Mar Marvel comedy, but if you watch like the Thor movies, especially like Ragnarok or guardians of the galaxy or, you know, most Marvel projects that come out nowadays, there's just always these elements of humor that sometimes to me take away from, the threat of the movie or, you know, what, what you're supposed to be worried about in the movie, the comedy takes away from some of the seriousness of that. Cameron here cheating on Allison. Eh, you know, could give or take this, this, this plot line, but Doesn't bother me too much, but So this is obviously done as a way to get rid of Allison's phone because that's one of the, you know, that's one of the things about modern horror movies nowadays is that some of the stuff that happened in the classic horror films, 
it's a lot more difficult today when everybody's got a cell phone. You know, help is literally just a couple dials away from a device that you have in your pocket. I mean, back then it was just landlines and you could cut those out. I mean, and it's just so different now nowadays that when you make a movie like this, you pretty much have to have a way to get rid of that cell phone and, you know, or cell phone service or whatever. Um, so it's just the, the differences in time. I mean, I think that, I think that that whole scene, the whole sequence we just saw with Cameron and Allison was just literally just set up just to get rid of the phone. Um, and you have to do it somehow. So, And these two characters, you know, Allison's friend and and her boyfriend. I mean, these are once again kind of like with Oscar. They're they're people that you they're set up to be killed almost from the minute they walk on screen. And you you know we've seen enough horror movies, you know, in this day and age to understand what purpose some characters serve, and and that's just the purpose they serve here. They're literally just here to be killed. Julian playing a little bit of the Tommy Doyle character here. He sees the boogeyman. Nobody believes him. Just a little bit of a throwback, I'm sure, to the original. Yeah, the humor there, you know, it's not, it's not bad. It's just, it's just, I I think it it would do a little better to just continue building tension rather than building up tension just to have a joke come out of it and then try to rebuild that tension or do what they do and there's not really any tension when Michael's actually there. It's more of just him coming out of the closet. But the, you know, the thing is, is 
something I distinctly remember now that I'm thinking about it. This whole sequence of events with, with Michael in the closet and her trying to close it and then eventually opening to see him. I mean, it was all given away in the trailer. And that's one of my biggest problems with trailers nowadays. They give away so much of the movie. This would have worked uh, so much better had we not already seen it in the very first trailer for this movie. I hate when they do that. Again, there's not much tension here because most of us have already seen this in the trailer. And again, this character of Julian, there's some what what's meant to be sort of funny lines that he says throughout here that for me, just take away of what's actually going on in the scene. With him saying nope and then running away. And and then, you know, you go up there, you're going to get killed. I mean, we just don't really need all that I, I, to me. I, it may seem small to some of you, but it's little things like that I notice. It's a good shot of Michael here. The head tilt, the classic head tilt. I love that Lori's patched into the the police radio so she knows what's going on. I like this scene. I like the the sequence of events here with Hawkins and the going into the house and this is a good way of building tension. You're not getting a lot of, you know, like I said, you're not getting that comedy. You're just letting the scene play out as is. And it and it and it works really well for me. I like this. Also, man, it would be really hard to be like a police officer and have to walk into situations like this where you literally know nothing. I mean, you could walk around any corner and it could be some psychopath with a huge knife getting the jump on you or somebody with a gun. What we're about to get here coming up is a shot of Nick Castle who played Michael Myers in the original movie. You're going to get him. 
when Michael first sees Lori here through the window, through the mirror, that is Nick Castle, the the original actor who played Michael Myers, putting on the mask to reprise his role for a, a brief second. It's pretty cool the way they set it up. The first time Lori and Michael see each other in this movie, it's the original two actors. Little ghost sheet here, little callback to the uh, the original movie. And there you go, folks. That is Nick Castle right there. Again, a little callback here to Bob from the first movie with the being impaled to the wall there. I do like, I really like the sense of urgency from them, you know, because they know, they know what Michael is. You know, Officer Hawkins has seen it firsthand. Lori obviously knows. I like this whole, this little passage here with uh, Lori and, and Dr. Sartain and him being really interested to see Lori Strode. You're the new Loomis. It's a little tongue-in-cheek line there. I mean, you can tell Sartain's just really obsessed with with the whole case of Michael and 
what happened and Now we're about to get what is one of the coolest, uh, in my opinion, kill scenes um, in the entire movie. The Oscar. Oscar here coming on to Allison. You know, I guess they do it so that they have a reason to split up here. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things that doesn't feel necessary. But it's a good way to get from point A to point B, I guess. So I do like the... I like the Sartain character up to this point. I like that he's trying to explain or make sense of this. You know, most uh, people like Lori or Hawkins or Loomis, they're just of the opinion... You you just you don't need to try to study Michael. You just need to capture him and kill him. He is a threat. He's not something that needs to be dissected. We just need to kill him. And then you have characters like this with Sartain or the investigative journalists. You know they're just interested in you know the psychosis of it all. You know why is Michael doing this? They're still trying to figure that out. And that's kind of a cool differences. That's kind of a cool difference between just the characters' personalities, and it, it works well in the story, in my opinion. I really like that. It reminds me of the original with Loomis, and you know, he was just like, "No, we just need to capture him as quickly as possible," and everybody else is like, "Why is he doing this?" So now it's getting real for Karen. I say Karen specifically because Ray never seems to be incredibly concerned. I don't I don't really know what's up with that for that character. If I'm not mistaken here pretty soon when they get to Lori's house, he's just going to be like playing with a yo-yo. Like, you know, I think most dads of young girls who are in imminent danger would be freaking out trying to find their daughter but this character just doesn't seem to care too much
This is a it's a really cool scene with him not knowing that it's Michael. You know, just talking to him like he's the owner of the house. There's a really cool line coming up here. I like that line. Have you ever really liked a girl and you just couldn't have her? That's that's it's a good line. The motion sensors here, this is really cool. This is a really it's a creative death scene. And how Michael moves in the shadows. Again, like I said, it's just the the lighting and the way that the darkness is a part of the character of Michael Myers. The scene does a good job with that. And that's pretty. That's a pretty terrifying shot there of Michael standing there and just hearing his breathing. The lights go out. It's a tense scene. And you cut in, get that quick score. I like that. And the chase here. One of my favorite parts of the score is coming up pretty soon too. I love this. I love the score here. The way the lights flash up. It's classic. This is John Carpenter times a thousand. And the way that score beefs up there when Michael steps into frame. It's really cool. A shot of Allison running down the street here. I I really would have loved if they would have extended this out a little bit more. And have him following her through the street and she can't get in any of the houses. This is really reminiscent again of the original movie with Lori and, and Michael. It is sort of odd, like I mentioned, that Ray just seems to not be incredibly very, you know, just very concerned about this. Whereas I feel like most dads would be maybe even more concerned than the mother in some cases. I mean, I guess every family's different, everybody's different, but this guy just doesn't seem to care very much at all. I'm a doctor, lock your doors. This this has become a classic line from this movie. I'm a doctor, lock your doors. So again, you know, now this is Karen sort of finally realizing that 
her mother wasn't just full of it. This was very real threat. And it's, uh, the threat has now landed on their doorstep. So, I mean, the fact that Ray's never been down here, seen any of this, I mean, it really does tell you how, you know, how how the relationship was between Lori and her daughter that, you know, I don't even know if Ray's even been over here before. The great, great scene here. Michael walking, the classic Halloween theme playing. Now, what's about to, uh, what's about to happen here? Uh, I'm a little on the rocky side of of what's about to take place, but I'll explain it as it happens. I love the idea of just flooring it and running him over. That seems like the logical thing for somebody who's already experienced Michael Myers, as we know Hawkins has, you know. All right, I want to say this. I can understand a doctor having not gone through kind of what Loomis went through with seeing Michael as he uh, refers to it out in the wild. I can understand the doctor wanting to not kill the patient, but then they go and they do this where he stabs Hawkins in the neck. And at this point you're like, is he turning into the villain? And it's just like, why? Why did we need this? I mean, Sartain was a good character, and, and this just feels like such a left turn, you know? This just came out of absolutely nowhere, and it leads nowhere other than them getting Michael to Lori, which I feel like there was a, a bunch of different ways they could have gotten Michael to Lori and done it better, you know, without doing this. Again, that's just my opinion, but like right here with him putting the the mask on, it was just, I remember watching this in theaters for the first time, like what is happening, you know, and it just really, it took me out of the movie for a few minutes. It's almost sort of, sort of feels like it's taken a page out of the Frankenstein's monster with the, you know, his patient being his monster. I mean, he really almost wants to see Michael kill people 
just just for the sake of seeing it happen. Yeah, I mean, this guy literally wants to bring him to Lori and see what happens. I mean, he's... Sartain is a psychopath himself. And I just don't... I don't really understand. I don't really understand this whole storyline. I also don't love seeing Michael's face up close there. You don't see it in detail, obviously, but... So you're getting a little, uh... Little, uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Cameo, excuse me. You're getting a little cameo here from uh, from uh, the the special effects guy for this movie. This is uh, Chris Nelson. Works on the uh, special effects for this movie for Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. And may I say, he does a really good job. He created the mask for this movie. Uh, does all the effects. Does a really good job. Again, this is all just sort of a setup to get Michael to Lori. About to get the, um, what I would consider by far the most brutal kill of the movie. I don't know if this is a, uh, a callback to, I don't really want to say callback, but sort of a shout out to Rob Zombie's Halloween, but this is a kill very similar to a kill in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. For those of you who've seen that movie, you'll know what I'm referring to. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more of a brutal Michael than we got in the original movie, which, you know, that's okay.
I would say you got a little more than man down. You see a man there with a, a head stomped in like a watermelon. I'm calling for all the backup I can find. But, you know, <clears throat> here's the thing. It was a little bit of a left turn in the movie, like I mentioned. But it's a really good finale, in in my opinion. I think this movie closes out pretty strongly. I don't really... So, the thing I'm wondering is, why would Lori turn off on the lights? Like, I feel like you would want all the lights on. You would want light everywhere, just so that you don't give him the option of hiding in the in the darkness. Now, in terms of the movie and, you know, what's about to take place with him, you know... Ray here just playing with a yo-yo always blew my mind. Your daughter's missing. There's a killer out there. But anyway, um, with him, you know, the, the little chase scene with him and with, with Michael and Lori in the, in the darkness in the house is really, it's really cool. But again, I don't know if, if you're the character of Lori, I don't know why you would turn all the lights off. I think I would do the opposite. Don't want to give him an opportunity to hide anywhere. Again, this is this is a cool little setup here, uh, little score here. You know, like I said, Michael he likes to sort of play with his victims a little bit. Like he did in the original. I do love how Lori sees this and she's like, okay, he's here. You know, she doesn't really blink an eye over Ray. Nobody really blinks an eye over Ray's death in this movie. Of course, maybe the window she looked out of there, she couldn't see it. I don't know. You know, one small detail. I love that Karen's wearing a a Christmas sweater. It's almost a way of acknowledging that she's almost just skipping over the whole Halloween thing. Like, she's kind of done with it, fed up with it after her life and her youth.
Mm. Getting two fingers blown off by a shotgun's got to be super painful. Now, Lori turns on the lights here outside. I don't know what purpose that serves. Maybe it's just a signal to people driving down the road. I don't know. They don't really explain it. This is cool here. Cool shot of Michael. It's coming up. Standing in the doorway. See the hand injury. Good little tension building scene here. That's one thing that a Halloween movie really needs to do well and and this movie does it pretty well just building up the uh building up the tension because when you look back at the the original Halloween movie you know it's uh, there's almost more tension building than there is action and that's just sort of makes it that slow burn sort of horror, thriller horror. You know, there are plenty of movies out there where you're just getting blood and guts every five seconds. But I do appreciate, you know, the effort to, to build tension in a scene and really have you on the edge of your seat. Now, the only thing here is, if I was Lori, I think what she has in her hand is a rifle. Me, personally, I mean, she's got shotguns, revolvers. I'm going out there with, I think, a shotgun. Because a shotgun, for those of you who don't know, has, like, spray damage. A rifle, you got to be pretty accurate, and it's not—it's not a close-range weapon. So it's an interesting choice for her to for her to use. Now that's just a small. I know a lot of you may just see that and just see a gun, but it's—you know—as somebody who's shot a few guns in my lifetime, it just seems like an interesting choice as far as a close-range weapon. It's it's really, in fact, not a close-range weapon. I think that's a rifle. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is.
this little scene here with Alice and the, the, the dummies, I'm not really sure why this is in here. I don't know. Sort of trying to add tension, I don't know, to, to what's going on with Allison. A trail of blood. That's pretty cool. Just so, it's almost like he leaves it intentionally so she'll follow him. It's an interesting uh, flip between the original movie and this, whereas the uh, in the original, you know, Michael's hunting her, she's running, whereas in this one, she's hunting Michael. It is uh, an interesting flip in narrative there. Or perspective, I guess. Now, why you would just keep these dummies up in your room or in, in a house, I'm not really sure, but. Now, we know, and I'm assuming, I hope those of you listening have seen the movie before. It's interesting. I wonder how he got Ray up into this closet with all the other things that transpired that we saw. I don't know. Some, some things you just don't question. You just go with. So for for any of you there who may have gotten out of sync at some point, I'm currently at one hour, 33 minutes, nine seconds on the movie. Guess I could have mentioned that earlier, but. Lori takes a pretty good stab to the gut there. And now we obviously again get the flip in perspective here. Michael's looking over the ledge seeing Lori instead of Loomis looking over the ledge seeing Michael laying on the ground. And now he's going to look back and she's gone. Yep. That's, uh, I like that. I like that little 
flip and perspective there. Yeah, this is this is just this is good Michael stuff with you know again just him walking through the darkness and hunting them. It's classic Michael Myers. They do a good job with this stuff. Now, how would he know that that island there is a hidden door? I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, you just roll with it. And there's good tension here. I'm really glad that the trailers didn't, for this movie, didn't give any of this stuff away in the trailers or show us much of this stuff. Because you really do wonder at this point in the movie when you're watching it for the first time, you know, what's going to happen? How are they going to get out of this? A pretty nice little bait and switch there. I don't know about the whole Lori coming out of the darkness. Happy Halloween, Michael thing. It's a little, little corny, a little on the nose for me. I like the, obviously the sitting up like he does in the original. I, I do like this whole setup with it being a trap and that she thought that far ahead of trying to bait him down there and then close him in, in the trap. That's pretty clever.
this is a, a pretty good little plot twist here with the with the house being basically one big furnace that's gonna burn with him in it. Although I think everybody and their brother saw that I wouldn't trust that this house is just going to burn with him in it and kill him. I think everybody... What what eventually happened in Halloween Kills, I think everybody saw coming. I'll just put it that way. But I like this. This is really cool with him staring back up at them and the, the music, the John Carpenter, the flames. That's all really cool. It's, it's intense. It's it looks cool. A little play on the Halloween theme here, but with a different kind of tone to it. It's cool. And obviously you don't see Michael there. They knew what they were doing as far as setting up for a sequel. I like this. I like the whole ending shot. The the music. The zoom in on the knife. You know, with three generations of strode women. I mean, it's cool. And then the ending title sequence. Alright, we're going to stop the movie right there. Um, all right, guys. So that was Halloween 2018. Look, here's my overall thoughts about the movie. I think it's a pretty solid sequel, follow-up sequel to the original one. Um, I like Halloween 2. I prefer this timeline because I like that it doesn't have the brother-sister storyline in it. Um, I know that that's almost ingrained in everybody's mind and the pop culture zeitgeist at this point that Michael and Lori are brother or sister. But to me, it really takes away from the character a little bit of Michael when you just make it to where, oh, he's just going after his family. Um, I like that it's random. I like that the character has no motive. It's just, like I said, it's random. And I think that this movie does a lot of, of things well that I pointed out. I think that there's a lot of great scenes. I think that there's some, some cool shots. The music's great. Um, I think the story's not bad. There is some stuff in this movie that I don't care for. Like I said, some of the humor, some of the characters, I know, I don't really understand why they're there. Some of the characters like Sartain make decisions that I don't really fully understand. I don't know what they were going for. Um, and it ultimately doesn't pay off in a very big way. Um, or you have something like Sartain, you know, the, the, the turn that his character makes where, you know, it's obvious they're just trying to get Michael from point A to point B, but I think that there were better ways to get him from point A to point B without doing what you did. 
Um, so there are some things in this movie I don't care for, but overall, this I think this is a solid movie. The first time I ever watched it, I liked it a lot. Um, still to this day, I, I do like this movie a lot. Um, it is a solid direct sequel for me. I think that it goes back to its roots. You know, the original timeline, the original sequels sort of went off course and got, you know, sort of goofy and, you know, the, the explanations for why Michael does what he does got really out there and the stories got really out there. And I think this was a good return to form. Um, so I enjoy this movie. I do. I'm, I, I don't really give ratings, but um, I would definitely say that that this movie is a solid, a very solid direct sequel to the original Halloween. Um, it's got flaws, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not a perfect movie, but it is, it's a very enjoyable movie. Um, and it's, uh, like I said, I think it's, it's respectful and it, it has, you know, a lot of callbacks in it and it does, it just does a good job of, you know, staying away from some of the, the stuff that the, that the sequels, the original sequels, uh, got into that really sort of messed the character up as far as I'm concerned and made the, the timeline kind of messy and just, you know, things like that. I think this movie did a good job of staying away from things like that. So it's a good movie. I enjoy this movie. Um, hit, hit me up on social media, hit us up. Let me know what you think of this movie. Um, I'm going to do Halloween kills next. So that'll be pretty soon. I'm looking forward to that. And then we'll basically be waiting a couple of months for, um, Halloween ends and, uh, really looking forward to that. When a trailer drops, maybe in, in one of my, uh, future podcasts, I'll give, uh, some thoughts analysis on the trailer for Halloween ends and, uh, and we'll take it from there. All right, guys, uh, this has been Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. I'm Andy. I'm your host, and we'll catch you next time.